Hey listeners, producer Drew here. I just wanted to drop in and share some really exciting news with you guys. On next week's episode of Processing Blue, former Panthers wide receiver Steve Smith Sr. is going to join the show. He's going to get to talk with Langston about anything and everything Carolina Panthers, so it's sure to be a really exciting episode. So if you haven't already, please subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And for those who watch us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and click that little bell icon so you get notified of whenever the episode drops. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Okay, Mike K, we're back for another episode of Processing Blue. The Panthers are blue right now. Um, one and eight. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what is the solution for one and eight? I mean, they're black and blue right now, right? Like this, this is, they have been uh, beaten pretty handedly uh, over the last nine weeks or 10 weeks, I guess, because yeah. they're by. They yeah. get that one reprieve, but like, yikes. <laughs> um, you know, they entered a three game stretch after the bye. And I said this the last time I was on the podcast. November was, November as a month was huge for this team. Well, you know, they. Uh, they came out of the win over the Texans and they had Indianapolis who was, who had a backup quarterback and looked shaky with a terrible passing defense. Uh, they then played Chicago, another terrible passing defense well, with a backup quarterback. Well, yes. This Cowboys game coming up is going to be rough. And then they have the Titans who again, are dealing with quarterback turmoil um, not a very good team. And, you know, you felt like if they could win three of four, this was going to be something that maybe turned around the season, turned around the regime, made you feel good potentially about the final stretch of the season. Oh. Instead, they've lost two very winnable games that were winnable even in, like, defeat yeah. uh, to two pretty poor teams i mean look indianapolis is winning games by small margins oh. and just gritting through it because shane steichen said a very good job as a coach and and um rallying that team but chicago with tyson bajan an undrafted rookie quarterback just defeated this panthers team on the road um the offense has produced 34 points in the last three weeks or sorry, yeah, yeah, 34 points in the last three weeks. What? 15, 13, and 6. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ty, you know, Tyson Bajan outplayed Bryce Young in a lot of ways, and we, you know, you saw that all over social media, so when the, the commentators were talking about it. That kind of leads me into my first question. I mean, why has Bryce Young regressed this season? It feels like he's overcompensating for the talent around him instead of elevating the talent around him. And look, that's a heavy climb or a heavy lift well, to improve the talent around you. I mean, outside of Adam Thielen, I can't find a consistent supporting character on this in this folly of a of a an offense. Like this is this is this is not a well-called offense. It's not a well-designed offense and the fixtures in it are not very good. And I think you know, Bryce didn't have the best weapons in college. Despite the reputation at Alabama, he didn't have a terrific wide receiver group. That was for Mac Jones. That was for Jalen Hurts. That was for Tua Tagovailoa. Well, 
he he had to overcome some stuff last year at Alabama or the last two years at Alabama right. and still play at a high level. The difference is the speed of the NFL, the talent level is is, you know, equal and it's equal or better. And, you know, he's coming up short, no pun intended, when it comes time to really carry this offense. And he looks like a rookie. Look, CJ Stroud's out there, uh, setting the world on fire but now also pay- remember he looked like a rookie against this panthers defense yes. just a few weeks ago yeah um not everybody has the same learning curve not everybody has the same trajectory and i think bryce is really regressed because of habits that he has gotten from having an offensive line that's constantly porous from having wide receivers who struggle to get open no matter what frank reich says um and he's made mistakes. You're going to overthink when the supporting cast around you isn't, you know, pulling their end of the bargain. Is the bigger problem the lack of protection or the lack of receivers getting open? That's a great question. I would say it's probably the interior offensive line crumbling as, as, as consistently as it does. He has no ability to step up in the pocket. And, I mean, like... Yes, they're trying to 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 solve that problem by working on precision and timing routes. Mm-hmm. And that in turn is not working because wide receivers can't get open. So it's all like a byproduct of protection, right? Like you're you're changing the way you operate because you don't feel like guys can ex- extend plays with you know deep route concepts. Instead, you're you're trying to to get the ball out quick. And I just think like it's led to a slinky style offensive effect where oh. it's like, you know, it's not that fun scene in Ace Ventura when nature calls <laughs> where they're going down like the the sanctuary and oh. he's like slinky, slinky. Sorry, I Oh no, I, I know you're aware. Uh but you know I, I just think there's like this, this, you know, it, it's going downhill because, you know, it's clustering around this offensive line and, and these wide receivers, and it's creating this effect of, you know, bringing Bryce Young down with it. This offensive roster is not good enough. Every gamble they've made outside of Thielen to improve this roster has not worked. Austin Corbett, their best offensive player last year, is three weeks into recovering from ACL surgery, and he hasn't looked the part. Mm-hmm. You could tell he knows that. Yeah. And that was never to be expected, but the rest of the offensive line has not held up their own end of the bargain. I think Iki Iguan has played better than a lot of the perception, but he still hasn't played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Moten hasn't been as consistent as he normally has been. That left guard position is atrocious, whether they're putting Calvin Throckmorton uh, Chandler Zavala, Cade Mays, whatever. Um, and listen, Bradley Bozeman's a wonderful guy. He does a lot for the community. He oh. has not played well at center. And I honestly don't know if it's necessarily his fault. He is a traditional power-blocking center. They run a lot of inside and outside zone. They're running a lot of pistol. There is a problem with that because he's not the most athletic center. And if you don't have a center who can pull at that position when you're playing zone concepts Uh you are going to struggle and that's why my solution uh not to jump ahead here is to move bradley bozeman to left guard okay uh he played left guard a bit in in baltimore 
It gives you a sturdier presence both in run and the pass. Because Throckmorton's kind of a replacement level player. I'd put Cade Mays at center. That dude's the most athletic guy in that entire room. He can play all five positions. We even saw him play fullback last year. Let him have a turn there. Maybe you change up who calls the protections, whatever. Obviously, you need to be able to do that. But Cade Mays has been here the entire offseason. He's been around. I actually think he projects better at center and tackle than he does at guard. Let's see what he's got. I, I think there's... There's been too much movement around Bozeman as opposed to moving Bozeman. And I understand James Campen wants to protect his guys and whatever, but like realistically, he's just not working. And I think, you know, you paid this guy, you committed to him. Let's see what he can do at another position and maybe it benefits the entire line. That's your short-term solution. What's your long-term solution for this line? Well... They're going to have to spend in free agency. I mean, I, they, they don't have the the luxury of having all these draft picks because of the trade-up for Bryce Young. I, mm-hmm. I think that second-round pick's got to be earmarked for a tight end or a wide receiver. Um, and probably the third-round pick, too, whichever position you don't spend, excuse me. Um, and then, look, I think good teams spend money on priority positions. Mm-hmm. I think, you know... There's been talk about potentially Ikiquanu moving in at left guard. I think that would be a worthwhile solution if you really committed to it. But if you do that, you've got to sign a really good left tackle, like a veteran left tackle to protect this massive investment in Bryce Young. Um, I think you could see left guard improve with him there. And then I think, you know, you've got to find a more athletic center. Um, I don't know what that means for Bradley Bozeman, but if you want to run the system that, that Frank Reich intends to, I mean, he even said the other day, they want, they don't want to be an old school smash mouth football team. Well, guess what? That's the type of center Bradley Bozeman is. That's why it worked last year. Um, and so you have to really figure this out. You got to figure out if Austin Corbett's a long-term solution after the knee injury, they restructured his contract. Typically you don't do that with guys that come off major injuries, right. but that extends their contract and gives you less wiggle room to get out of it. Um, and you know, we also got to figure out who's going to be here next year. Do you think it's worth waiting on the quantum? Maybe one more year. I remember Jordan Grove started out in a kind of similarly struggling early in his career, but then he became the greatest lineman in Pats history. Yeah, I mean, I think patience... It, look, he's a guy who was always a raw pass blocker, and I think you had to know that. Yeah, he was a run guy. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is like, how much do you think the regression is? How much do you think of this This is on the coaching staff? How much do you think of this is on the scheme change? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of factors in, 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 in that. I mean, I think we have to wait out the rest of the year. You're just not going to move him to left guard in the middle of the season. Right, he's just right, right, not right. experienced enough at that position. Uh, it's much different than moving a guy from center to left guard, in my opinion. Um, but they're going to have to figure it out. I mean, like, this is not, like, an easy fix. The returns have not been terrific this year. Well, and, I, you know, I think you have him compete at left tackle and left guard next summer, And you, but you've got to really commit to, hey, we know this guy is one of our best five. He's going to be in the starting lineup, but we have to find the right place for him. Right, right. Uh, are you of the mind the Panthers need to trade back into the first round next season to try to get some of this offensive help that you described they need? 
well, if they continue on their current pace, they're going to essentially have a first round pick with that 33rd overall pick. Honestly, I think they should do what they should have done this year and trade back and use that premium pick to gain more assets. Like we, we look back on this draft, they stayed at number 39 and that led to them having to force a trade up in the third round by trading a fourth round pick a nearly equal asset well to draft dj johnson when you don't let your draft picks and your value work for you it can lead to a lot of errors it can lead to a lot of forcing the issue and really you know you look at the way jonathan mingo has kind of rewarded them i mean i think he's like 20th in the league in in categories like he is not lighting the world on fire meanwhile josh downs who is available 40 picks later is excelling in indianapolis granted yeah. they they're two different receivers Where? but like you have to look at your pick allocation and i think like you know i obviously i covered the eagles for several years one of the things that howie roseman does is one of the more successful gms in the league is he makes value out of his assets like you know, we all know the famous pre-draft New Orleans Saints trade where they essentially let the Saints borrow one of their draft picks and then he turned it into several other draft picks that he could then continue to use and spread out down the road. Like, the Eagles are set on draft picks for years, even if they, they don't have the numbers, they have the premium picks for years. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was a big mistake that this team made. Like, you know, they went after a wide receiver. There's logic in that. Hello? I think they overdrafted Mingo. I said it at the time. I gave the pick a B minus because I thought they left value on the table. Like it, that's the reality of the situation. So I think trading up, I mean, like if there's a wide receiver that you have absolutely fallen in love with, go for it. If it's the top tight end on your board and you think that this guy is going to be a difference maker, go for it. But like, we don't know who's going to be there. We don't know what, you know, there's a lot coming, right? Like, well, so I'm all for being aggressive. Uh, I just think like when you have the pick allocation that they currently have, it's difficult to make that type of move. Remember, and I've reported this before, they wanted to trade back into the first round. They really liked Will McDonald. They wanted to take an edge rusher. Well, he got drafted way higher than they anticipated. It didn't work out. Right. Um, they want to be aggressive, and I commend them for being aggressive. Nice. I also commend them for for following trade charts. But here's the thing. When you draft a guy or you spend value on a guy, it doesn't matter if you won the trade via the, dra the trade chart if you're drafting poor prospects or using poor process. Like, the DJ Johnson pick is one of the worst processes I've ever seen for a, a day one or two pick. Well, like it didn't make any sense. There was no logic to it. It was a forced pick. He, his, his outlook didn't make sense. Like I talked to people around the league who said he made a ton of sense for Evero's system, but they would have drafted him much, much later. Yeah. And so they, they, I mean, they ultimately are paying the price. We saw in Chicago, he started, didn't have much of an impact. Uh, I think he's played a little bit better than he did during the offseason. But, like, Iku Leota, who they just promoted from the practice squad, who was an undrafted free agent, the Astral native, was so much better during camp. Like, so much better. And they're lucky that they didn't lose him oh. because they prioritized a third-round pick over, you know, an undrafted free agent. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, to answer your question, I think you have to see who's there because mm. that's so hard to answer. 
What I would have considered, though, I'll tell you this, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to look like the smartest guy in the room, that pick isn't going to get much better or, or, or go down much worse. If you said to another team, hey, we'll give you a player and in our second round pick for a first round pick, you're a contender. Uh-huh. Maybe that makes sense. But I, I, I just, that's kind of like, creative thinking that I don't think a lot of GMs actually have outside of nope. Howie Roseman. So I can't fault them for not doing that. I think you're you're sometimes judged on the moves you make, but sometimes you should be judged on the moves you don't make. Mm-hmm. And I think them not reaching for a guy during the trade deadline, even if it was out of their own hands, yeah. would be a good outcome for them. Who's on the hotter seat, Mike, going into the back half of the season and into the offseason? Coach Reich or Scott Fitter? Well, I think you have to look at it from the standpoint of Scott Fitter has been around much longer. Yeah. He's also kind of got the, fair or not, the um, outlook of being one of the last vestiges of the Matt Rule era. That's always going to make him a target. And he's had opportunities to distance himself from that, but instead he has said, you know, he and Rule were all in it together. Um how much you believe that that's your call um we'll never know truthfully and i think you know he's also the guy who said this was a team that was built to drop a quarterback in and and contend right away we talked about contending for the division he's part of the reason why there were such high expectations and i think i've written this before messaging matters and so i think he deserves all of the rotten tomatoes that he's getting thrown at, at on on social media um that said, I don't think it's there's a very wide gap. I mean, this team, this front, this organization built up this coaching staff, propped up a bunch of guys who had great resumes, talked about how this was going to be a coaching staff that turned things around. And frankly, things have worse, look worse than the Matt Rule era. And, you know, you've got a head coach in Frank Reich who's already given up play calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's the first offensive play calling head coach in team history, and that lasted six weeks. And by the way, they went 0-6. I struggle to understand what half of this staff does. It's one of the bigger and most highly paid staffs in the league. Uh So at some point, if I'm David Tepper, I'm wondering, what am I paying for? Well, Um, And so I I think it's a lot closer than, than it probably seems on the surface. That said, you know, in a way, it's easy to 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 forget about this, but you know, David Tepper obviously has the reputation of being kind of knee jerk and and not having a ton of patience. Yeah. In a way, it's kind of commendable that he is not, you know, bending over to bending at the will of uh, outside force. You know, reactions, mm-hmm. right? Like he is not. He is not bending, and I think, you know, he is taking the right approach in evaluating the entire season because here's what I would say. Look, and I'll probably get blasted for this. When you trade up what they traded up and mortgage the future on the first overall pick, you were doing that and saying, hey, I implicitly trust the leadership that I have put in place. As you see my Indiana Jones original vinyl flowing in and out of this, (laughs) if you're watching the video. (laughs) Um, Wow, that looks crooked. I should fix that. Um, But anyway, 
what I'm trying to say is, is like, if you are a boss, you have taken, you get, every decision you make is a gamble. He has gambled on having the right QB guru and the right GM to build around this massive asset in Bryce Young. Well. And it has wagered the future. And so I think you have to kind of see that through. I mean, that's a decision you have made. And and firing Scott Fitter right now makes absolutely no sense. Well, His job's largely done. What are you going to gain from it? What if this team, you know, surprises us all and wins six of the last eight games, right? So then you fired a guy. I, I bet you the Indiana Jones sign back there. Oh, thank you. Um, but so I, I think like for him, he's waiting out the process. I think like it's not looking good for either side here. And I, I, I you know, for a collaborative process, it seems like this coaching staff is going against the strengths of the roster. And yeah. so that is troubling in in itself. Right. And if I were Tepper, I'd have a lot of question marks for both. Next fall, Mike, what percentage of the staff do you think will still be here versus now? Whew. What a question. Because you... You know, the defense and the special teams have played relatively well given the circumstances. I think you could see Evero potentially get head coaching interest. Yes. Uh, without knowing what's going to happen in the next eight games, that's tough. I would say 50%. Wow. At best. Well, it's a lot of turnover back to back years. Um, are, yeah. No. How long do you think before, or do you think the, the Panthers can have the pieces around Bryce Young to have a playoff team? Is it two years? Is it next year? Well, they have a lot of cap room next year, and while that sometimes leads to massive mistakes, I, I, I think they are built to have guys come in. I think Bryce is really taking his lumps as a rookie, mm -hmm. um, and that could help him long term. I think, you know, this team needs two much better wide receivers. Adam Thielen should be the number three on this team. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, and then I think defensively, you've just got to add to the depth. I, I I don't know if they're a year away. Maybe they are. But, I mean, this division's terrible. It's not getting much better. Mm -hmm. um, Atlanta's kind of playing their themselves out of getting a new quarterback. So is Tampa, mm -hmm. which is good for the, for the Panthers. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, Derek Carr has turned out to be a horrific signing. So... Uh, it's just going to continue to be a lowly division. Yeah. That's the that's what this is. This is the NFC South without Tom Brady. And so I, I think if you're the Panthers, you look at the outlook of, you know, if they can bring in five or six big pieces and really spend. Now, remember, I wrote about this uh, after the owners' meetings. They didn't feel like they were one player away. They went with, like, the middling market. Yeah. Uh, I think now's the time to be ultra-aggressive and find oh, guys feel like can change things especially from a wide receiver and pass rush standpoint all right let's look at the, let's look at the sunday mike uh the, the cowboys look like a super bowl team early in the year they got blown out on national tv by the niners since then they've gone three and one and they've scored more than 40 points in two of those games lost to the eagles and the other one uh they're looking like a contender again um is the, you know Stephen A. Smith likes to troll the Panthers. I mean, troll the Cowboys. Lie. I don't think he's going to be coming to Charlotte to wear his cowboy hat on first take next week. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Yikes! 
Uh, <laughs> that, that's the answer. Uh, this the offense Yikes. Uh, is going to be very tough to stop. I think huh. particularly uh, C.D. Lamb is just going to be an absolute force yeah. across the field. Uh, his, his lateral quickness is going to be really tough to contend with. I think the defense has done a pretty good job of holding guys at bay, but he is a different challenge than DJ Moore, who the defense did a pretty good job against uh, last week. Right. I, I think tackle DJ Moore once he catches it. Right. I, I think like with CD, the chemistry that he and Dak have is incredible. Michael Gallup starting to show some life after recovering uh, from his major injury. I, they have guys who can make plays. Brandon Cooks is going to be a tough go, whether they have JC Horn or not. Um, and I think, you know, they have uh, some pretty good weapons at running back and tight end. It's just going to be a lot. I, 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 You're asking a lowly bottom five team to compete with an offensive juggernaut. Now, I'm not saying the, the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. I think they're not as good as San Francisco or Philadelphia. Really? Yeah. But they're probably in that next tier, and that next tier has some pretty good offense. I think, you know, this is – like – Realistically, if if the Cowboys don't turn the ball over, the the Panthers are, are cooked. I don't think they can win a shootout against this team. I I, I think the Pan- I, I think the Cowboys. Did you say the Panthers scored in the past three weeks? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that and they Edward can. scored forty plus last week. Right, they scored more last week than the Panthers have scored the last three weeks. Yeah. So, you know, I expect the Cowboys to eclipse. 30 points. I don't, we, the Panthers have yet to do that this season. I don't expect them to do that against Dallas uh, as much as their secondary is inconsistent. This is going to just be one that you kind of got to just grit through and, and throw away the tape. Maybe there's something nice to do in Charleston or, you know, there's an early tree lighting. The Baker America stadium is going to be a cowboy takeover. What you say? Well, yeah, the Lakers don't play until nine 30. So you got to have <laughs> something to do. Uh, and I mean, you know, the Yankees are in their off season. Uh, uh, our our producer Drew can look into this. Does Duke have a game that day? (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be all right. So we, 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 all joking aside, Cowboys fans travel really, really well. They do. They do. Uh, no matter where you are in the country. But they're they're also everywhere in the country. They also don't have to travel much. (laughs) They're all there everywhere. Uh, yeah, there's a joke. There's a joke in New Jersey that everybody's uncle is miraculously a Cowboys fan. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's kind of true. Titans, Bucks, Saints next. Can they win any one of those three games? Titans. They they're going to beat the Titans. I feel very comfortable saying they're going to beat the Titans. Oh, according to our producer Drew, who does a top notch job, we should shout him out even more than we do. There is no Duke game on Sunday, so get your <laughs> get your tickets to the Cowboys home game at Bank of America Stadium. Um, and look. I think we should say this. I do not blame uh, Panthers fans for not showing up. You know, uh, that's really how you speak to this this ownership and to this organization, really. I mean, we saw what happened after that San Francisco game last year. Matt Rule got fired. Mm-hmm. It was clear David Tepper felt embarrassed by the turnout. Listen, the Cowboys and the Packers are stu- are, the, are the next two home games on the schedule. They will be sellouts. Yes, it just won't look like way. a sellout for a home team, right? right? Like yeah. 
Like, you remember when the Chargers were playing in that soccer stadium while they were waiting for SoFi to be built, and every game was like a a road home game? Yeah. That's what this is going to feel like, and justifiably so. Like, this team has not given this Panthers fan base much to count on or be excited to see, and frankly, Cowboys and Packers fans will pay a lot for tickets. So, you know, I mean, like, that's the reality of this situation, and it will be until they show otherwise. All right. Well, it's time for my favorite part of the show when you're on. What's on case takes? Well, I, I think if you're searching for silver linings, there's this. The defense has played quite well throughout this three-week stretch. I, I wouldn't say they've been great, but you're seeing guys step up in ways that I think we would have been like, if you said DiCaprio Boodle was going to shut down DJ Moore in a go-route, I think you would be laughed at pretty pretty hard I mean I think they're de- starting to develop some defensive depth and and remember I was very critical of this defense sure. for several weeks and I think you know I'm somebody you know we don't all do this but when I'm wrong I admit it and I think they got a lot out of Yeter Grosmatos um, I think Dante Jackson's look like a completely different player post trade deadline I think there's a lot to like with Von Bell and Xavier Woods uh they're adjusting the scheme to stop the run a little bit more. I I think things are up with Evero, and I think if Evero continues to do what he he's doing, you don't want to lose him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the offense continues to struggle, maybe Evero is that guy who's the heir apparent um, in Carolina. This team has historically been run by defensive minds, uh, and I think Evero is a very sharp guy. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't really say a lot in press conferences, but I think he knows what he's doing. Um, and I think that'll help you keep the scheme in place. Remember, they hired Evero and completely changed their scheme, knowing that he is a potential head coaching candidate who could leave after a year. Uh-huh. You know, you want some sense of normalcy. And, you know, maybe it's that you... Look, a lot of teams don't want to hire defensive head coaches because if you hire the right offensive coordinator, that guy's going to be gone in a year or two. Uh, but the reality of the situation is you should be looking for the best head coach possible, and maybe that's who Evero is. And I, I, I think, you know, a lot of – it goes under look, but Chris Tabor is one of the best special teams coaches in the league, and I think that his unit has really shown up and shown out and, and rarely put the offense or the defense in poor positions this season. So I, I think there's a lot to like on those areas if this if you have to look at this from a long-term outlook. Again, the silver linings are very few and far between. I, I don't think Bryce Young is a proven product yet, one way or another. I think to jump to conclusions on a guy after nine games at that position when they've been best what they have and mm-hmm. what he's done in his college career, pretty much his entire football life, I think would be a mistake. You know, I, I covered Jalen Hurts, who improved leaps and bounds every year he was in the league mm-hmm. and did so in college as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think my patience is, is a little bit uh, heavier than, than some others. But I, I, I think to jump to conclusions. You've always on been probably one year. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I, I, I think, I think we have to let a lot of this play out. I know it's not easy to hear. I'm not giving anybody a pass, but I do think if there was one silver lining, it's the way that this defense has reacted post by. All right. Well, there it is. This case takes uh, maybe not what the Panther fans will hear at the moment. Be more patient, but we'll be more patient. 
And we'll see you guys next week on Process in Blue. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Also, on other social media outlets. And make sure you download our podcast everywhere you get your podcasts.